from Forth. This is So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Today, we are talking to Hannah, and Hannah is a senior team lead for a quick service restaurant. Her background, however, is in industrial engineering, and in her work today, she specializes in IT serving the financial solutions. Hannah started her career with her current company six years ago, and she started out right after college as an IT analyst. Then she moved to an associate. And then she has since progressed into more leadership and more manager-like roles, um, which is what we'll talk to her about today. Hannah is passionate about solving big problems and coaching people. Let's hear her story and how she's found purpose in an industry she didn't study, but has learned to see how her skills can fit in to be excellent. Awesome. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks for having me. Um, So... I guess I can start kind of with my background. Um, so Ellie, you're, you're familiar with this, but I went to Georgia Tech. Um, that's where Ellie and I met. Go Jackets. Um, and <laughs> yes, go Jackets. Um, I actually started my schooling as a mechanical engineer, um, which is hilarious looking back now at my career path, but um, was really interested in, in math. And so somebody kind of mentioned along the way when I was in high school, hey, what about engineering? And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So mechanical was uh, the engineering of choice. A couple of years into my schooling, I realized really didn't like physics. And like, that was really, really hard for me. My brain didn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at a different path of what, what really do I want to do and what am I good at? And so um, ended up selecting industrial engineering. And I like to kind of share this with folks I talk talk to because they're like, why IE or why industrial engineering? So I really enjoy math and I like finding unique ways to solve problems. Um, to tell you a little bit about my personality, I love spreadsheets. Um, I'm a very detail-oriented person. Um, and I really wanted to have some type of schooling where it was a good mix of technical, but also relational. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met with... I think it was the dean of the industrial engineering school at Georgia Tech at the time. And what he told me sticks out so vividly in my memory. Um, He said, industrial engineering is like a good mix of math and business. Um, And so I was like, hey, that sounds relational and technical. So I stuck with industrial engineering. Um, So I graduated with my bachelor's in industrial engineering and um, went to work for a quick service restaurant. Um, on the corporate side. And so that's what I've been doing for um, the past six years. So my current job title is senior team leader. um, And we'll unpack that in the conversation. But what I really do is um, I support, so I sit in the IT department. So I I lead a team of IT staff members, as well as um, third party vendors. Um, We have development pods. So those are just development teams. um, And we support um, our company financial services department. So in my role, what I really enjoy about my role is I kind of get to 
do both the results and the relationships aspect of my role. So I get to help set goals and provide decisions and coaching for my direct reports. I get the opportunity to be a part of strategic conversations and provide direction for my team. I also get to be a little bit in the weeds on the technical side and understand how the systems that my team support mm-hmm. operate and like solve problems. And so that's, that's kind of like kind of the two, two silos of, of what I get to do. Yeah. And what's cool about that, just to um, interject, I love that, you know, you share that story about what the Dean said, maybe they're in a major where someone down the line was like, Hey, you're really good at math or you're really good at science or whatever you should do this. And they send them in a direction and let's say they like fail calculus or they fail physics or they, whatever, like they fail something. And they all of a sudden are like, what am I doing? I'm a failure. This person thought I would be good at this. So I picked this path, but clearly I'm not. You were actually in the right place. Like you were even in the right school, college, right? You were in the engineering program. You just needed like a different flair of engineering. And that is, that is so, that's such great insight. And many people, unfortunately, go into those advising meetings and their advisors are like, you're out or, you know, switch to this or switch. And they don't, They don't take the time to like explain. So I love that you explain that. And also I think it's cool because from what it sounds like, and we're going to dive in more, but your job kind of does, it uses both of those sides, right? Like you're, you are in the weeds, technical work, but you also have a very like relational side, which would lead to like the, that businessy aspect, right? Correct. And one thing, one thing I'll also clarify is, um, I get a lot of questions because I work with a lot of computer science majors, um, even even business majors with like an IT concentration. And so when I tell people that my background's in industrial engineering, they're like, huh, like that doesn't really seem to make sense with IT. And so um, I would say the first two years of my career actually really struggled with that. Um, Really enjoyed the people I got to work with but kind of felt like an outsider. Hey, I don't actually belong here. Mm -hmm. And so um, I felt out of place, like, hey, I'm this math person working in an IT department. Mm -hmm. And I I would tell people, hey, you know, I'm really functional. I'm not technical. And I had a really wise mentor tell me, um, like, Hannah, what you don't understand is we need thought diversity in Mm -hmm. this IT department. And you bring a unique perspective and you are technical. You're not a coder. Um, you know, you're not going to sit behind a computer all day, but you bring the relational side. And so you're going to help connect us to other areas of the business mm-hmm. that our folks who are sitting behind a computer writing code and doing really hard and smart things all day, every day, aren't going to be able to do. And after that moment, I changed my perception of myself and I started telling people like, yeah, my role is part functional, part technical. Like I actually really understand the ins and outs of my systems and the way that industrial engineering ties into my role is it's all about process. And so kind of the the backbone of an, of an IE is like, we enjoy process optimization, um, like logistics. And so I get to do that in my role as I support a bunch of different financial systems. And really at the highest level, it's just understanding how does data come into a system, what processes happen within that, and how does the data, how does the data leave the system? 
So I thought that was a really cool like tie between my educational background and what I do today. Um, So I'm always looking for ways to kind of tie the two together. Yeah. And also to echo that mentor of yours, I remember similarly, I had a conversation when I was in school during an internship where I would always say, well, you know, I'm not the creative. I'm not creative. I'm not creative. And I did have similarly have a mentor say to me, you know, when you say you're not a creative, that's not necessarily true. Like you work well with creatives and that's just as important as being a creative, right? So instead of the narrative of constantly saying, I'm not a creative, I'm not a creative, or you saying, I'm not technical, I'm not technical, I'm functional. Really, that's not true. The fact that you can even communicate between the two is hugely valuable and that should be more of the stress and the importance of what you're good at. So I love that. Um, And I think you're absolutely you're absolutely right to say sometimes, even no matter what you're starting to do, and I talk about imposter syndrome a lot, but like, you know, I hear your story and I'm like, what? Like you, knowing you, I would have never thought that you would have struggled with feeling like out of place because in my mind, when you're an engineer, like you can do anything, you know, but, but I could also see now in hindsight, like, yeah, being an engineer, but sitting on like a tech IT team, you may feel like, shoot, do I have the skills for that? But the reality is you absolutely do. And you did, and you've been able to learn so much along the way. Okay. Pivoting really quickly into what I like to call like the meat of the conversation, really diving into what do you actually do? So again, repeat for us one more time, what your job title is. It's very generic, but it's a senior team leader. Okay. So it's a, I'll I'll go a little bit further. The team, the team I support is the restaurant financial systems team. Okay. Um, also a little, a little vague, but I know we'll dive into that too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So Hannah, some of the questions that I get from listeners are what does an average day look for these people? Either walk us through your average day, or if it's easier to like break up your day into percentages, please fill us in on like an average day for your specific role. Sure. Yeah. So, um, my role specifically is very meeting heavy. Um, so I would say if somebody is interested in kind of this career path, it definitely takes somebody that is energized by collaboration and meeting with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sit in a lot of different types of meetings. So I'll kind of break that down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said it well, Ellie. I sit, technically my role is in IT and all the folks on my team are all um, IT staff members, but we support different areas of our business. So um, I get to meet with a lot of other folks outside of IT. So um, I, when I think about the different types of meetings I'm in, um, I broke it down kind of into four or five different buckets. So the first and kind of what fuels me the most is, my one-on-one meetings with my teams and my vendors and status meetings. Mm -hmm. And really that is my opportunity to, to coach, to listen, to help prioritize that direction um, and help the folks on my team accomplish their goals. And so I love the coach aspect of my role. 
Um, so this is fun for me. Mm -hmm. So one example, I think this might be helpful if I can kind of put it into um, like, what does a status meeting look like? So I had an individual on my team that um, came to one of our status meetings and said, hey, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I've got a lot of work and I just don't think I can do it all in the 40 hour work week. And so I said, okay, let's set up some time outside of this meeting. Mm -hmm. And what I want you to do is I want you to sit down before the meeting, take a piece of paper and write down everything you've got on your plate right now. I was like, everything, even if it's like, I need to respond to that email from three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I just haven't had a chance to dig into that issue. I said, bring it to the meeting and we'll have a working session. And so he did. And during that time, we wrote them all on separate post-it notes. And we, I said, okay, now imagine that you could only work on one thing at a time and you couldn't start the next thing until that one thing was done. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's try to put them in order of whether it's really critical, most highest priority, or it's time, time bound, like it has to be done by X date. Mm -hmm. So we kind of put it in this one linear long line all along the whiteboard. And it was like this huge line of tasks and things to do. Mm -hmm. And then we started kind of assigning like generic time frame buckets, like, well, this might take three days to do, or this would only take an hour to do, or this is only going to take 15 minutes. And so we stuck them into generic time buckets and we bucketed them off by month. And we did that, it was probably like a September. So we bucketed it through the end of the year. And we left it on the whiteboard in our team room. And every week we would talk about only the tasks that were in that month's bucket. Mm -hmm. All the others were documented and we didn't need to focus on those. And at the end of it, he had accomplished all the tasks. And at our next status after that, I took all of those post-it notes and I stacked them up and they were quite a thick stack. And yeah. I said, hey, you know, I just want to say great job. These are all the things that you accomplished. And he was like, thank you so much for, for helping me prioritize this. And I was like, I didn't help you prioritize it. You prioritized it. I just helped facilitate that. Right. And so that's kind of in those status meetings and those one-on-one, that's the coach aspect that I really love playing, mm -hmm. you know, um, just helping see people see kind of like direction and prioritizing. So. Um, so that's fun. Another type of meetings I get to do are dev team meetings. And so this is with my development team. So these are the folks that are actually doing like coding, so CS, computer science type work. Mm -hmm. um, these meetings are very tactical and very technical. And we basically just give an update. Hey, here's what I'm working on today. Um, here's any roadblocks I have. Here's what I need help with. Here's what's complete. And everybody goes around the room and shares that, everyone from our development team. So the whole team's kind of aware of what work is being done. Mm -hmm. And it may be anything from, hey, we're changing the formatting of this financials report, to, hey, um, we're building a new integration to bring data from one database to the new database. So um, very tactical, very technical. Oftentimes, after those development team meetings, we have one-off meetings where um, I may sit with a developer and walk through functional context, or they may walk me through the technical context. Right. So um, that's another kind of bucket of meetings. Another type is strategic meetings with the business areas. So all of the business areas that we support, um, we meet with them pretty regularly, and we do things like road mapping, planning, discussing project timelines. 
Um, so just trying to understand the short-term goal of like, hey, we've got a project for the next year, and this project is to make X, Y, and Z enhancement to the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we may talk through, here's the timeline, and here's kind of the tactical steps at a high level of what work needs to happen, and we'll do planning. Or we may be saying, hey, five years from now, here's where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want real-time data in five years, whereas today we get it, get data once a day. Right. Um, so those strategic type meetings uh, are a lot of fun for me because it, I get to bring a unique perspective from the technical side, mm-hmm. but I also learned so much from the business um, in those meetings. Yeah. No, that's um, so good. And, and I love, yeah. I, I think you said you have one more bucket. Um, but I love yeah. like, even since we've gotten to kind of hear your background, it's like fun to kind of think through where your skills, where your individual skills kind of lie in each of these buckets. But I'm curious to hear mm-hmm. the last bucket you have. Yeah. Well, I actually have two more. So I think I lied. I think I have five buckets. Oh, um, <laughs> that's so good too. One, one, one bucket is like, I call it like kind of the ad hoc or the catch-all bucket. So like team meetings and then what I, professional development. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll meet regularly as a team and talk about priorities, any hot topics, um, that kind of stuff. Usually they're pretty open-ended and they're, they're fun. We usually like to, to make them fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then professional development, my organization offers a lot of lunch and learns they'll bring external speakers in um we have affinity groups so one example is like a women in tech there's a women in technology group that meets once a month kind of bucketed those into just like ad hoc meetings and then my last bucket of meetings is what i call my me meetings um so i'm very intentional i learned early in my career that if i do not control my calendar that others will decide what's important for me so I have intentional time each week for white space. Um, and I actually did, did an activity several years ago. Um, I can't remember her name, but she, there's a lady who came up with this idea of white space. I mean, it's not a new concept, but she kind of really plays into what white space looks like. Could you give just like a, I don't even know, 30,000 foot level idea of what white what you would consider white spaces, and it may be different for every person, but like, what would you define that as? Yeah, white space is time for the unexpected. Let's say an issue popped up, it's, and there's an issue with some data in the system. It's not super critical, but it needs to be addressed this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at my calendar and I'm just kind of wall to wall meeting. Mm-hmm. So it's really uninterrupted time for me to really work on things that come up that were not part of my plan. Gotcha. So I've got planned, yeah, planned meetings, planned projects. Um, and then I've got these things that I'm like, hey, this just happened to pop up. And I, now I have time on my calendar to take care of that. Gotcha. And it kind of, like you said at the beginning, if you're not in control of your calendar, people will gladly, you know, fill up your time. And that's, to me, that's what keeps you from working at midnight every single night. You got it. And I think it's so wise for young folks to hear that early on. 
because sometimes there, there are jobs that's an expectation. Do I have the flexibility to control my calendar and right. give myself the capacity, um, you know, to actually get work done? Yeah, no, I love that. And so as I'm going to try to regurgitate or just read back to you kind of what I heard, and then I'm going to ask you another question. But so for okay. all my listeners, you know, in, in Hannah's specific role, she's kind of talking about a lot of meetings and lots of relational time. Hannah mentioned she's been in her role for about six years now, and um, I'm sure that has morphed and changed over time, and she probably leads more meanings now than she did when she started and all that good stuff, but essentially, it's good for you to hear, like, in the progression of her job, getting to this senior team lead, which, again, the titles and the names could be different across any industry and especially across different companies, but what I hear Hannah saying is there's a lot of times where she's having to coach, um, but also facilitate and also dive deep. So like with the second bucket she mentioned with her development team, yes, she's leading and yes, she's facilitating, but she's not above diving in deep to do the work. You know, like if something's wrong, she is, you know, in the, in the weeds to figure out what's going on, how they can solve the problem. And she said it at the beginning, very, very problem solving heavy. So I think it's neat because if you're someone who really enjoys solving problems, but really doesn't want to miss out on the people aspect, I think that this is a really interesting career path for you. And so one thing to pivot off of that, of those buckets, what is your favorite part about your job? Um, I've got three kind of three things that I really, really love about my job. The first one, um, having the opportunity to coach others and share what I have learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy seeing other people kind of um, like understand something for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's really fun to me. And as you mentioned, Ellie, it's awesome because yes, my work is specific to technology and even more specifically, financial systems and data, mm-hmm. but a lot of what I do, with the exception of the technical, like in the weed stuff, can be translated to so many other industries, mm-hmm. so many other organizations, um, but I love having the opportunity to coach others. Another thing I love is getting to be involved in work all across the business and bringing bringing my IT hat to those other areas of the business. So really that Mm cross-functional side of my job is, is really um, energizing for me. And then the last thing. So my job is a really good mix of technical and functional. So I get to wear different hats at different times. So my day to day, although I go to similar types of meetings, mostly during the days, every day looks different for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that. So those are kind of the three things that I love the most about my, my work. That's awesome. And yeah, you touched, I love that you touched on that again. I meant to hone in on that when you talked before. Yeah. You're touching multiple areas of the business, which I think, I think for you, just knowing you, I think that makes the IT part super fun because you do get to meet with different personalities. And like you said at the beginning, you know, the tech part may not be what, drives you. Maybe it's the 
communi it's the communication between the tech and functional or it's the functional dealing with the tech or how, however you want to say it or call it. But I do think knowing you, you enjoy working with different types of people um, and understanding where they're coming from. And, you, and I feel it's a strength of yours to be able to understand. You know, sometimes that's a huge, yeah. that's a hard thing for people in business is working with other departments. You know, in my previous life of work, I remember that having conversations with people and procurement who would say, oh my gosh, I, I can't, we can't stand the accounting team or, oh, we can't stand the marketing team. And it was like, right. oh my gosh, like they're probably saying the same thing back, you know, and About, it's because yeah. they're not communicating well at all. Um, so I love that you yeah. mentioned that. Um, I, I think something you mentioned, and I hadn't really thought of this before, but I'm like a translator. So mm -hmm. if you think of somebody like that speaks two different languages, I can understand enough of both languages that right. I can kind of like be the bridge between the two and translate. So yeah. you think about folks in the business on the financial side that really know the data and understand numbers and know what's supposed to happen with those numbers. And then you've got people on the tech side who know, hey, here's how we build the system and here's how we write the code and here's how we do development. Um, while I'm not proficient on either of those, I know enough about both to connect the bridge between the two. Mm -hmm. If you can be a good translator um, and a good problem solver, you can really be excellent in just about any role. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Another, so we could talk, we, we can touch briefly on, you know, maybe what's, what's the hardest thing about your job? Yeah, this is probably a similar answer with a lot of people who support technology, mm -hmm. but um, supporting technology, supporting critical systems, if something breaks, my team has to be available to fix it. Mm -hmm. So um, I will say with my role, there's very minimal work required outside of the normal, you know, 8.30 to 5 or 9 to 5 business hours, mm -hmm. but it does happen occasionally. And the reason that's hard for me is it, for me personally, it requires me to feel like I'm, I need to be on at any given moment. Mm -hmm. So um, one caveat I have to that though, is as my team has matured, um, the support pressure is less on one person and now on the team as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I would say that feeling of needing to be on at any given moment is um, dwindling. Like that's mm -hmm. not something that's as concerning to me today as it was two years ago. And I will also say, I, I want to throw this out there. Some people thrive on that kind of sense of Absolutely. urgency. And I think, yeah. I think sometimes I used to be like, oh my gosh, but who would want that? And it's like, no, genuinely, some people love that rush. And I meet students yeah. all the time that they, they're looking for that in their work. Like they're looking for what they're doing to be so important that if something breaks, they need to be on it right then. And I admire that because I truthfully am not really that way. That is that, and you said it so well, there's so many folks I work with that really thrive in that environment of like, we've got an issue, we've got to fix it right now. Mm -hmm. And like, it's almost like their brains just like work on like high power or something. Yeah. And I'm like three, three steps behind them. Like, can you explain to me what <laughs> you just did there? <laughs> yes. No. So yeah. Yeah. Anyone listening that like you thrive in that environment, I would yeah, this type of role and maybe even more technical roles, mm -hmm. um, you really get to hone in up into that. It's a perfect 
pivot point to my next segment of the podcast, which really focuses on how do I get there? So Hannah, if you were a young person knowing that they wanted your job in 10 years, what would be the next best step for them today or upon graduation? Yes. Okay. One, um, start building your network now. Mm. Um, so find someone in this field and reach out to them, whether it's through LinkedIn or whether you, your parents have family friends or somebody like Mm -hmm. see how you can connect to someone in this field and talk to them, learn about their job. And then something I think would be really cool is see if you can shadow them for a day or a half day Mm -hmm. and just kind of like tag along and see what is it really like to be a day in their food. Yeah, I love that. And also I, I, I echo that. I mean, um, I also think too, because it's going to give you an insight into what that comp, that specific company may operate in it. And I give that caveat with most of my interviews. It's just, it's so hard because every company operates differently. Every industry operates differently, which is why I really want to hit the ground running with these interviews, because I think the more interviews and the more conversations I can have, we'll start to see that there's a lot of core themes, you know, problem solving and good communication skills and translating between teams and all of that. It's so relatable across um, industries and roles and companies, but I do think it's so important to your piece of advice, like get in there, like shadow. People are so willing to help you, especially if you're a student. And it does not hurt to ask. The worst thing that can happen is they could say no. Yes, totally. And if they say no, please don't be discouraged. Like that's like the biggest thing I tell people. I'm like, if you ask one person and they say no, that was just bad luck. I promise you, if you ask another person, they will say yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. No. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Hannah, for your time. I know you're a busy lady, so we really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, your pieces of advice and your context and opening up our eyes to the IT world has been amazing. And I hope it's inspired some of my listeners. So with that, we are going to go forth and I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at fourth underscore LLC. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.